Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello. And welcome to Why Are People Into That Live at the Pleasure Chest in New York City. (laughs) Stop, stop. Don't stop. Hi, everybody. I'm Tina Horn. Apparently, I need to read that off my phone. (laughs) And Why Are People Into That is my slutty, kinky, queer, perverted as fuck sexuality podcast. I've been producing and hosting Why Are People Into That 100% independently for over six years now. I need to change that in this script. Holy fuck. Um, In the past couple of years, I've been recording some episodes live in front of an audience, often at the sex-positive sex toy retailer, The Pleasure Chest, which is where we are today. And the main difference between the regular wired people into that podcast in the live show is that uh, it, you know in general um on the regular show we cover like we choose one topic and here i kind of like to do a little bit more of like a variety show and various different things and a little bit also of audience interaction and my guest today i'm so excited is laney bird everybody give it up for laney bird <laughs> How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm like, I've been on a like adrenaline roller coaster. Where's my jacket? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've I found I found it, and it's very grounding. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Lainey. Lainey Bird is an indigenous queer photographer, cinematographer, and video editor based in Brooklyn, New York. Through her personal work of both photo and film, she reveals the intersections of fashion and fetishism. She is also experienced in commercial video production as an editor and colorist, primarily working within the beauty industry. And yeah, so yesterday, as we were just talking about, Lainey and I were, and some other folks here today, were at MoMA PS1 for an event called Kink Out Spaces. Who's been to the, the dome in, at PS1? It, How it, many of you were actually there last night also? <laughs> <laughs> like this whole room was there. Thank you for bringing your hangovers to us. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions. There, there, was, there was boot blocking. Uh, there were bondage performances. There, there was dancing. Uh, there was spanking. There was a DJ. There was a, a pet play pen. So there were like human puppies and kitties. And, it and was, you got your ass beat on I, stage I, I was, in front I, of everyone. A little bit. A little bit. I mostly just shook it. That, like, yeah. did, just twerked for a while (laughs) see here's the thing though is that I just like move and then people are like she was twerking but I'm like not really I I, I would call that twerking oh thank you (laughs) I feel like I need to take some some classes because I feel like I, I yeah it feels like very like lazy Miley Cyrus twerking because no. I just like I mean I know how to dance 
But I'm just like feeling it in the moment and then my ass like does things and people are like, you were twerking. I'm like, can't be that easy. I mean, it can when you have an ass like that. Oh. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was expecting to get like beat within an inch of my life and it was, I was expecting to like show off mm. like being a masochist and it was like a little bit more, here we are on this on this stage and that ass was playing. But people seem to enjoy it. I mean, it was entertaining regardless, so. I live to entertain and so does my, my ass certainly does, so. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that happened, but another really amazing thing that was happening was that on the, the roof of the dome, the, the dome Ceiling. of the dome, um, top, <laughs> the top, of the dome, um, were a variety of uh, fetish films made by folks in our community, including Lainey. Can you describe your video from that was like being projected, like thirty, 30 or forty feet? The 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 dome itself. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So um, your your film. How long is the film? Like five minutes. Um, it's like a ten minute long film right now, and what. I showed yesterday isn't even like the final form of what it's going to be. It's essentially just like a rough cut that I had to put together really quickly in time for the event because I only shot it like a week and a half ago. (laughs) Oh, thanks for uh, sharing your, showing your work. Yeah, Uh, yeah, like showing your rough, your rough cut. Right. So we got treated to this rough cut of what, what was it called experiment there's like a working title i called it laboratory but laboratory. i'm not like set on that by any means cool. um but I, it's a film that i made with uh, a dom friend of mine named mr Sod, who you all should look up if you don't know who they are um and the whole idea of the film was conceptualized by them I just came in to do like the cinematography and the editing for it but it's essentially just like a rubber fetish film with some medical play that we did in their play space which was some, really fun some medical play <laughs> some a little that bit that was some that was some medical play <laughs> just a little bit i was standing with with lucy sweetkill who you've you've shot before and her partner and we were kind of like looking around and, and then we were looking up and and i was like ooh, ooh, the, the, okay the pump is coming out <laughs> uh and then, and then i kind of like looked away and looked back and she was like forcing pee yeah, well, was she that was, part? yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like forcing her patient specimen. Uh, specimen. That's his name. Thank you, <laughs> specimen to to drink something. And Lucy was like, I looked away for a second. Is he like drinking cum? That's so hot. I was like, mm, I think it's piss. And and the person, the other person next to me was like, it's piss. I've been watching the whole time. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah. So they extracted urine from the person and then the it was actually sod's urine oh okay that they fed to specimen lucky specimen tell us a little bit about making that like what was that experience like like how does it compare to some of the other kinds of work that you've done it like kink wise or vanilla wise (laughs) it's very different from a lot of the vanilla work that i do that's a that's an interesting distinction we'll do uh, why don't why don't we start there why don't we talk about that like Hmm. what is the difference between the vanilla work and the fetish work in in your like art practice well i mean most of my vanilla work doesn't involve drinking piss (laughs) so there's that (laughs) it's usually a much smaller production i work a lot with aorta films which again if you don't follow aorta films you should do that immediately hell yeah as one of their filmmakers and as one of their editors and so i've been on quite a few of their sets now doing these kind of like smaller budget porn films and so the thing that I shot with Saad was pretty similar in just the way that it was set up and it was a really small crew just me and one other person um, handling all the equipment and all the lighting and then Saad and Specimen on set whereas like vanilla work is like you know a team of like 15 people in like a massive space 
Do you have a preference? I mean, I prefer the kink stuff because it actually like feels good and like feels important. The vanilla yeah. stuff is just like a way for me to pay my rent. Yeah. Well, mostly. I mean, yeah, a lot of us have to pay rent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you're shooting something like that, how do, do you do you enjoy like letting players like have a scene and you kind of interact as like a fly on the wall or you're like looking mm-hmm. for things that are interesting to shoot or compositions that are like, what are you looking for? And do you like to direct people so that you can have control over what you're capturing? Or do you sort of more like feeling like a documentarian that is interacting with performers who are, who are like having an experience or doing a scene? I feel like with my photo work, I'm doing a lot more directing and really clear directions of like move this way look over here step three inches to the left whereas with most of my film work I'm just sort of like literally running around in a circle around a scene that's happening just trying to capture whatever I can capture and then we'll occasionally like throw out pause or can we get another take of that but for the most part I just kind of like to let performers do their own thing I feel like it's more genuine that way like you get candid moments if I'm not like directing everyone's action yeah when I started my like short career directing porn my friend Tristan Crane who had uh shot me many times sort of gave me this like cynical jaded like eh, you know after a while it's they're just moving shapes <laughs> <laughs> I mean kind of does it does it feel that way for you yeah a little bit I was actually editing one of the aorta films this morning and I had a moment where I was like eating peanut butter toast at like eight in the morning and like watching someone squirt and like just watching the footage trying to find selects. And then I was like, is this is this normal? Like, is this OK? But I'm just like watching this so early in the morning and just like eating my breakfast. And I'm completely unfazed by like what's in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty normal to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did it feel for you as a creator to be in that room with your work being projected, especially in that raw state and also in a way where like people were were watching, but it wasn't like a screening where people's like asses were in place just like watching one thing. It was like kind of more like an installation or part of something larger like. But how does how does that feel? I feel like I'm still processing it. (laughs) I like didn't get a lot of sleep last night and woke up this morning in a bit of like a weird like mental hangover from yesterday. Um, It feels really important and I'm really proud of the fact that I got to show work in that capacity. I'm excited that I got to film something so kinky and have it on display in this like major institution that doesn't normally support work like that. Because I feel like so much of what I'm trying to do with the photos that I take is like bridging that gap between quote unquote museum quality fine art and just like more taboo fetish photography and trying to find some sort of middle ground between the two. And so being able to like show my work in a major museum was kind of like a like I did that. (laughs) You totally did. Yeah. So what's important to you about like being that ambassador or like bridging that gap. What do you what do you think we can achieve if those worlds collide more? I don't really know. No one's ever asked me that before. Well, where, where does that motivation come from, do you think? Now I'm like therapizing <laughs> you. Yeah. 
Like what, you know, cause, oh, okay. Some people are like, I'm a fine artist. And some people are like, I'm a taboo troublemaker, mm. but you know what I'm hearing from you. And I feel like I've seen it in your work that you are maybe interested in like demonstrating to institutions that like fetish work deserves a place mm. alongside other kinds of work that are like seen as more legit. Right. I mean, I come from a fine arts background, so I think I've always just had this idea in my head that to like be successful and as, as an artist means finding success in that world or finding success in a commercial world while still trying to like hold you know, my vision and my like integrity as an artist in place without completely losing that in the process of just trying to find more, you know, exposure for the things that I'm creating. So I feel like I kind of have to bridge that gap if I want to be able to show my work like in a large scale capacity. So it's not just, you know, stuck in like porn magazines and that's it. So it's pragmatic. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, we're going to talk today in general because Lainey's work involves fetishism on, on so many levels. We're going to talk about fetish aesthetics, which like, try saying that three times. <laughs> and it, it, to do that, I, I'm going to do something uh, a little loaded and annoying, which is ask you, what does the word fetish mean to you? Hmm. I think for me personally... Fetish means some type of obsession. Mm. And for me, a lot of my own fetishes are object-based or material-based. And so they tend to center around things that are more um, inanimate and aren't necessarily like an act or like a type of person in the way that a lot of other fetishes have fetishes. So... Uh, cool. That's a that's a very concrete definition. Great. <laughs> it makes me think about the pathologizing of fetishism that I, I find often comes up where people assume that if someone has a fetish, that if they have a fetish for an object, for example, like pink water bottles, mm. that like they they have to have the pink water bottle in the room in the dungeon by the bedside table or like in the bed or like somehow involved like in order to enjoy themselves in order to get off in order to be fulfilled do you feel that way about the things that you have fetishes for that like if they're not there there's like something missing i think so i think with some of the more like material fetishes that i have leather being like a huge one like if leather toys or implements aren't to the quality that they want them to be I'm I have a really hard time actually like getting into the right headspace so you're yeah it sounds like you're very you're a discerning fetishist (laughs) (laughs) what do fetish aesthetics like mean to you when or how did you start to feel the urge to incorporate fetishism into your art Mm. I mean, I've always been an artist and I've always been interested in just creating visual imagery that just happened to coincide with a developing (laughs) obsession that I had for fetish wear. And I think it was only natural that the two were going to sort of like converge at a certain point. Fetish aesthetics and fetish wear inform so much of what I do as a photographer and it informs so much of 
just what my work looks like just purely on like a visual level not even like on a conceptual level and so the two are constantly going hand in hand how do you know that something that you're wearing is fetish wear or like is a fetish object like what about a piece of fashion makes it fetishistic the design i think the material is a big part of that like i mean i I see a huge difference between like buying a pair of high heels that are only like four inches tall from like Bloomingdale's compared to buying seven inch tall pleasers from Purple Passion. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they have different meanings to them just based off of the design of them and who's wearing them and in what spaces someone is wearing those things. What I'm hearing from that is cultural specificity of going to a place like Purple Passion that is a kink and fetish store here Mm -hmm. in New York but also the like extreme the like boundary pushingness of seven inch stilettos as opposed to puny right four inches (laughs) which will barely even make your back hurt so it can't be a fetish object I mean if it's not uncomfortable then I feel like it's not (laughs) like a true fetish piece of clothing (laughs) why do people like to be uncomfortable (laughs) masochism (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be comfortable when I'm getting hurt. That's like <laughs> my form of masochism, but I'm, yeah, no. Oh, I, I, I like love a good, uncomfortable, like, piece of clothing. Like, I don't own shoes that are comfortable. Like, I literally don't own shoes that are actually, like, okay for my feet to wear on the daily. But I just do it anyways because I, like, enjoy what they look like and I sort of get off on the, the pain of just like wearing beautiful high-heeled boots every single day. <laughs> I like realized that it was raining when I was leaving the house and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, like I definitely was like planning on wearing some nice leather boots and then I was like, ah, I think I'm gonna wear my like waterproof hiking boots and I was like, I'm just gonna hide my feet under the table <laughs> and not stand up so Lainey won't, won't see, won't see me. <laughs> Daiki hiking uh, that I from REI that I have on. I mean, I like I like the I like the discomfort. I uh, but I I do I do find that like the the like consequence of then like the pain after. I mean, I don't see that any different than like having a bruise after like an impact session. It's a really good point. It's a really good. <laughs> Someone snaps. Someone else the thinks it's yeah. good Someone agrees. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that soreness. I, yeah, I, it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think there's like an endurance to it too. Of course. Like going out for an evening wearing something that's uncomfortable, knowing that you can withstand that for like six hours at a time. Like that also just like personally feels like validating. (laughs) Totally. And I mean, listen, I reserve judgment for some of these folks that you see tottering around Manhattan I'm like listen girl if you're gonna wear the shoes wear them like but they you know they don't they don't know how right they don't they're not they're obviously like don't want to hurt enough right they like expect <laughs> they expect it to not hurt they expect it to be easy and then they don't look as good right <laughs> embrace the pain ladies we should teach classes we should yeah <laughs> I think your work is fucking fantastic. I mean, I like you you as a person and that's why I wanted to have you on my (laughs) show. But like, you know, we live in a very like visual culture with the internet and social media and other people's feeds or like folks that I knew that were like, I did the shoot with 
Lainey and then I was like who is this person I need to follow them and then like looking through all your stuff like I, I feel like your work reminds me of a lot of the like classic and by classic I mean like from the 80s photography where not only like something that we were talking about before we started recording is like you can be a a portraitist a portraitist i don't know if that's a word someone who takes portraits (laughs) a photographer that takes portraits it's been a long couple of days um a photographer that takes that takes portraits of people and you could take a portrait of someone who's wearing fetish gear who is in a fetish outfit and wearing fetish fashion but that doesn't necessarily make it a fetish photograph right and or it doesn't necessarily mean it has into my mind like a fetish aesthetic or that that person's work now I think of this person as like someone who has a fetish aesthetic to their work beyond just the people in your pictures and your and your videos like wearing leather wearing latex wearing very 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 tall shoes wearing hoods wearing masks where you know like lots of like ex- extreme things but there there are things about the composition about the lighting about the the way that people are holding their bodies where i just i feel like i'm looking at this like other alien dimension mm. like of this like sex dimension <laughs> that I would like to travel to. I'm going to start calling my studio that. Yes, please do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, does that sense of... there? There's like an inhumanness to it hmm. that I like. Uh, do, does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you're... Tr- like, that's something that just like naturally comes out of you? Or is that something that, that you're trying to achieve? I think that just comes out. I mean, I think that's a really great compliment to see that a lot of my work is referencing like 80s fetish photography because so much of my favorite work comes out of that time period and I also collect books and I collect fetish magazines and almost all of them are from like late 70s into like the early 90s and so those are the types of images that I'm looking at when I'm preparing to do a photo shoot so yeah so much of my work is like referencing those artists that I have been obsessed with for a long time I mean I guess there's like a sense of the uncanny or the abject or like Mm -hmm. the monstrous like does it feel like that's something that you're trying to access in your art like something that is like beyond human not intentionally (laughs) (laughs) maybe I'm just projecting yeah not intentionally I'm like this is sexy so I'm assuming that (laughs) it's inhuman I mean I think composition has a lot to do with the like fetish aspect of my work even if I were shooting vanilla clothing it might still end up looking (laughs) like a fetish photo just (laughs) because of the way that I like frame my subjects and the the poses that I'm drawn towards and the facial expressions that I try and like get out of people when I'm shooting someone so like if I was wearing these waterproof hiking boots (laughs) and jeans and this cotton t-shirt you could make a fetish photograph out of me. I think I think we could do something Great, with that. Great, because then I would be very comfortable, <laughs> and uh, and then I would be very happy. That makes that makes sense that you would be able to the the maybe like the way that you see the world is fetishistic. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily like someone doesn't need to be wearing a hood in order for you to create fetish imagery out right. of them. Right. I mean, I did I did uh, the Periscope with Lucy and Dia yeah. a while ago, and Lucy actually made 
a really good point. She said that she thought that my work was as strong as it was or that I was able to shoot femdoms in the way that I do because I'm a bottom, which I am. <laughs> and oh, that resonated <laughs> so hard for me. And it makes so much sense. Tell, tell me everything about that. <laughs> that, is, that is a very wired people into that uh, uh, train of thought that I would like to catch right, right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I just have like such a deep appreciation and respect for femdoms. Um, and I think that shows in the way that I shoot them in my work. Like my favorite place to be when I'm shooting someone is like as low to the ground as I can be. <laughs> like shooting up at someone. Um, I actually like saw like a BTS video of me on set from a couple weeks ago and I didn't realize that someone was taking it and they're like panning the room and you see like the model and the stylist and then you pan a little bit further and I'm like literally like flat on my stomach like with my camera like shooting up at this model made me laugh I was like wow I look like that <laughs> while I'm on set I had no idea um <laughs> that, is, that is so amazing that level of like respect that I have for the models that I'm shooting kind of shows through the way that I'm shooting them like a sense of reverence right obsession <laughs> it's interesting though and maybe we can talk about like the queer gaze um just to put the lead right out there um but uh <laughs> um because I, I i don't i don't know if you're familiar uh with this uh phenomenon i first learned it back in my like model mayhem days of like 2006 of um uh, gwc's do you know what a gwc is no what does oh, that stand for a guy with camera oh god uh, <laughs> which is uh is what it sounds like right uh, yeah so like back in the day when you couldn't just shoot professional looking photographs with your phone and then like make a shitload of money and like, you know, post them to a social media and be like, I'm a dominatrix. Like you had to hire find a guy with a camera. You had to find a fucking <laughs> GWC and they were the, you know, model mayhem was crawling with them and right. uh, they wanted to do like trade for print and you were like, I'm broke. So cool. Uh, and so it's interesting because like a lot of those guys, surprise, surprise, <laughs> were also bottoms. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, but they, but they, and they definitely also were obsessed. Are you, are you trying to call me something? No, no, I'm saying you're special and, and I, and I, I'm, I'm hoping we can unpack what makes you so special because like those guys were, cre were creeps. And by the way, if they were creeps that took great pictures that made me money, I would have been like, all right, mm. but the pictures were not good. No, cause they're not artists. They weren't artists. They're just perverts who own cameras. So I guess you are both a bottom <laughs> and a pervert. And an artist. And, yeah, and, and a very talented individual with a vision. And you're, but, I, I, but I feel like there is also something where like your reverence comes from a place of you can put someone on a pedestal and like shoot like, like femdoms, like shooting like powerful women or powerful queers. There's like all kinds of gendered people in your work. Right. Maybe we can talk about the word objectification because like I 
I find like that word is so complicated, right? Because like, right. I mean, listen, I love to be, it's a very relaxing to be an object sometimes. And like when you are like material for an artist, especially like a photographer or a videographer, right, then you are an object. Exactly. You're raw material. Right. Right. But so then like, when does objectification like tip over into disrespect or like, when does, I, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I've had the experience, maybe other people in this room have had the experience of like the difference between a good feeling of reverence when it feels like wonderful to be worshipped versus like a really like obnoxious feeling of reverence where someone is like trying to like take something mm. from you. I mean, I don't I don't ever have like alternative motives when I'm like shooting someone on set. So I'm not like the guy with the camera who like wants to shoot someone and then try and fuck them afterwards. I respect my models. I have conversations before we even start shooting about what do you want to shoot? What type of dynamic do you want captured on camera? Um, do you have specific things that you want? What are your clients looking for? Mm. And we like talk through all of those things before we even start shooting, which I feel like just creates a sense of safety to be on set with me. And yeah. I'm a woman and I'm queer. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like that alone just makes it a little bit easier for some models to be on set. Do you have any like specific techniques when you're shooting someone specifically for images that they want to use to market themselves to clients? Like how do you make sex workers money is my question. Well, that's what I mean. Like the conversations we have beforehand where I'll ask if there are really specific things that they need or if there's a certain way that they need to be captured in a certain way to pull in more clients. Sometimes it's being as specific as like, oh, my client like loves my armpits. So like, can we please take like armpit photos? And I'm like, great, we'll make sure that we have time for that. (laughs) Or um, a lot of the doms that I shoot uh, want ass photos. Um, So they always ask me for those. We make sure that we actually like do that. And I like set up the lights properly and everything just for like that one shot so they can have that for their clients. How do you set up lights properly for an (laughs) ass? There's a trick to it. <laughs> All right, you'll do. We won't reveal your secrets. Um, how do you? How do you? How do you shoot armpits? Just understanding lighting, I think. <laughs> it's all in the lighting, right? Always cool. Yeah. Is there a way that you that you turn different parts of people's bodies into to make like the focus of the obsession? like a part of the person's body mm-hmm. like like an art like an armpit or an ass or if yeah, feet. I mean, yeah I think I'm thinking about those things just actively like as I'm shooting just like through the viewfinder as I'm just framing things as I go those things are sort of just subconsciously in the back of my mind so let's talk about the difference between still photography and videography how does the role of fetishism change in your work when movement is involved and of course, videography also involves sound and right. all kinds of different elements. I don't know. I feel like I sort of see them in the same way. Just one is with motion and one is without. I've even done shoots where I'm doing both video and photo at the same time, where yeah. I'm literally switching back and forth between different cameras. Yeah. So I'm, I sort of just see things visually in the same way, regardless of whatever medium I'm shooting it in. What are some examples of some art and culture that have influenced your work? Skin 2 magazine has been a huge influence on my photography, but specifically like 
within the 80s. So when the magazine what was going started. What in the 80s? Well, I think there was this like kind of explosion of fetish magazines that came out of the 80s because that was around the time when I think younger generations started to really embrace fetishism. And that's when a lot of kink clubs were starting to open up. Um, and so these publications were popping up at the same time as this like subculture was starting to develop. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think earlier, like 60s, 70s, fetishism was something that was maybe more private and it was something kept in the home and it was something more secretive. And I think it was in the 80s that people started to maybe be a little bit more out in the open with it. Makes sense. Plus, the 80s are also when is when but just <laughs> photography had like a huge peak, just like in the art world, too, because technology finally caught up. So artists could use photography as a way to make art. And so that also just sort of like bled into the um, fetish culture. That makes sense. And there was like more like commercial, like widespread commercial availability of right. photo equipment and gear. Right. And cocaine. And that. Yeah. <laughs> and rubber. And, and rubber, yeah, definitely. What are some photographers that that you think that people should check out or any like particular books? or? I get asked this question all the time, and I'm so awful with names that I always end up drawing a blank. But I can plug one of my Instagram accounts. Yeah. <laughs> so outside of my like photography account, I run another one called Dress for Pleasure, and I just post my favorite fetish artists. And a lot of them are book scans just from like my own personal collection. Cool. Um, and so if you're interested in fetish art, specifically fetish photography, then you should just look at that page because there's like just a huge resource of different artists. I, I love I love that Instagram. <laughs> is there movies? Is there music? That Instagram account is actually taken from a documentary called Dress for Pleasure that came out in... 1977 I want to say like maybe mid to late 70s and it centered around the rubber scene that was happening in London like in the late 70s and a lot of it focuses on the sex boutique that was open in London at the time oh right um, the Vivian Westwood boutique that she owned a sort of like epicenter of for fetish wear and and punk punk culture. culture yeah and there was a lot of crossovers within the two at that time And then it also sort of centers around John Sutcliffe, who was a fetish photographer and is also the publisher who started Audemage magazine in like the 60s, which ran up until I think maybe like the mid 80s. But that documentary is like incredible and it's really beautiful, too. The footage is just like really gorgeous. You know, hearing you talk about like the rubber scene and again, thinking about kink out yesterday and the like community coming together around like all all of this art and culture what do you think the role of community or scenes or like people coming together like is in the 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 creation of aesthetics and like sort of like a shared experience of fetish culture i mean i think because of community we're able to assign social or cultural meaning to certain garments or things. Right. And that like, like can... Like black leather motorcycle jackets. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like the hanky code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then that can become sort of like a like a non-verbal language that people can share as a community. Yeah. Which I feel like is really important to be able to do that. Yeah. It's important for cruising. That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and But it's also important, I think, for people who may feel isolated Mm -hmm. in you know it it can it can help 
destigmatize the way that people may feel about their desires, knowing that there are other people out there who share them. And like maybe, maybe even if two individuals not necessarily like be compatible in a relationship, but like knowing that they are not like the only people who have like deviant desires or interests. It seems like the outward physical signifiers are more than just like something frivolous and superficial right or even fun like it's actually something that helps people not only like express themselves but like create a sense of belonging right I mean I think all subcultures use aesthetics to sort of like create like a communal to to establish like community among people yeah it's interesting that you were talking about how so many of your fetishes are object-based because so many of my fetishes are like highly conceptual and Mm. abstract and sometimes yeah that is that like presents a challenge because I can't just like look go buy the thing (laughs) yeah that's true why can't I buy the thing Uh, I mean but how, how how does it feel for you to to like have such a strong connection to objects and then to yeah to relate to them commercially like the fact that you can like go to stores and find the thing that reflects something about your inner life that you want to express like what is that process like just doing the work that I do just allows me to sort of just further my own fetishes which is fun yeah (laughs) and it's great that I made a career out of doing something that was a hobby at one point it was just like a personal thing that I was interested in just a lot of the way that I create work ends up being fetishistic just in the nature in the nature that I'm doing it I mean just talking more about obsession the way that I approach image making is highly obsessive I'm a perfectionist and I'm highly neurotic (laughs) and I think that shows in my work I was trying to like figure out a way to explain this and the only example I, I could come up with was a photo shoot that I did semi-recently where I really wanted to take photos of pleaser heels and so I went and I ordered a pair of steel tip patent pleasers and they're not even in my own size (laughs) they're in my friend's size vanilla honey who I shoot all the time (laughs) and I didn't give her the shoes they're not hers (laughs) they're mine (laughs) that I allow her to wear on set so I can take photos of them And so I buy these shoes and I bring her to my studio and I tell her what to wear and I tell her how to do her makeup and I tell her how to style her hair. And then I have her put on the shoes and I light them perfectly. And it takes me like an hour. I'm like moving lights back and forth, like inch by inch. And then I take like 300 photos and then sit with them for like two weeks mulling over them until I can decide which like final six are actually going to make the cut and then I spend hours and hours retouching every single image like pixel by pixel until it's like absolutely perfect just for like one photograph of a shoe that I want it <laughs> that what an interesting expression of being a bottom <laughs> It is, it is, because, 
because you're like uh it is it's 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 reverent and and worshipful like in a way it sounds like you're like dressing someone up like your doll and like I mean there is a part of that too which I enjoy which is something that I think is worth unpacking but I haven't quite (laughs) figured out like what what that is let's figure it out now (laughs) (laughs) no I mean that that, but but there is I, I I can definitely see how it's still coming from a bottom place because it's also like it's still reverent and worshipful yeah I don't know I guess it's like objectifying from the bottom hmm (laughs) that's cool like as somebody who is kinky and queer and is an artist who creates kinky queer art how do you feel about people who are neither kinky nor queer like taking just the superficial aspects of our culture Mm. and I don't know, capitalizing on them, using them as raw material. Like where do you, where do you land on that? Do you, do you think like it's all fair game? Do you think that it is harmful? Like, do you think that it paves the way for somebody like you to be able to like show work in a museum or make money? I think it is both harmful and also I'm benefiting off of it if I'm being totally honest yeah um, well in what would let's talk about the harm first in what ways is it harmful well I think it's harmful if people are putting images out there in the world that are supposed to be of kink dynamics but they're not coming from a educated place one you can just give a bad rap to it two if you're showing that imagery to people who are also uninformed they may take that at its surface level and maybe try and apply it to something and then that gets really dangerous something that's coming to mind is that fucking netflix show oh god bonding yeah where the like dominatrix is wearing a collar i mean this is like the classic thing that we're like always making fun of is the dominatrix and the collar where it's like it's not that you know a dominate she can do whatever she wants (laughs) but like they're probably like not putting her in the collar because she's doing whatever she wants they're putting her in the collar because they're like this is a kinky thing right but they like don't <laughs> appreciate that that generally signifies someone who is right not or dominant. didn't do the research to know how much fucking how to do research do you correctly. have to do to understand <laughs> that the bottom wears the collar <laughs> it's bi- real basic basic stuff guys right yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i feel torn about it most of the time I think especially with just sort of this like peak in mainstream fetish wear that I'm seeing that there are latex dresses on like major runways now and like red carpet events people are like wearing latex um, which I personally think is really cool (laughs) but then at the same time I also know that it can be really harmful at the same time or it, it can almost like exploit the designers it can cast a shadow over the actual community that those types of pieces are coming from yeah I mean it's stealing a piece of our culture and then sort of just like using it for mainstream purposes and that's not okay but at the same time if like some of my friends who are latex designers get paid to dress some major celebrity for a red carpet event then I'm going to be really excited about that and I don't think it needs to be this like elitist like secretive thing that we have to protect all the time I think there is a way that we can sort of like share that type of imagery and those types of garments in a mainstream light 
but it has to be done with like education and respect for where it comes from. You really are a pragmatist. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I guess like, you know, the other element of it is as long as kink and BDSM and fetishism is stigmatized and pathologized in a lot of, you know, uh, like related identities like queer identities and gender nonconforming identities and sex work identities like are marginalized then like privileged folks are like taking the thing that gives them just like just enough edge right i mean like j-lo was on a poll at the super bowl but there were like raids happening at the same time that nobody knew about (laughs) perfect example yeah the, the whole thing about pole dancing and i mean that's where the hashtag not a stripper versus hashtag yes the stripper comes from is like you know people taking pole classes and being like here's a picture of me doing a pole trick but i'm not a stripper and it's like well why what's wrong with that (laughs) yeah well first of all what's wrong with that but also there's this there's this thing where people are unaware that there is like a thrill that they're getting out of the association Mm. with the dangerous thing and without so, actually doing it or yeah, being a part of it. Yeah, and but also like sp- like putting it down, you right. know, like actively putting it down. So they're like talking at it both sides of their mouths and being right. like, like I'm better than this, and the way that I'm better than it is by doing just enough of it, or trying it on, trying it on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Liz, like a Halloween costume, right. which is another thing that people do with fetish gear. Right, yeah. <laughs> is like dress up as like a dominatrix for Halloween. Right, or just cultures in general. Yeah, lots of cultures. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> totally. How are we gonna force people to do better? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> do you feel like it's important for you to be out about your identities, like on in the platform of your work? Yeah, absolutely. Does that, do you feel like that makes a difference? I think so. I mean, I use the same name for my vanilla work as I do as all of my photography um, and all my accounts are linked together. My website has my fetish work and my commercial work in the same place. Um, So if my vanilla clients wanted to Google me, it would not take them very long (laughs) to find all of the other type of work that I do outside of the vanilla stuff. I feel like that's important. It totally um, is important. To just be upfront with it and unashamed about the things that I'm interested in or my identity. Have you encountered stigma? Like, do you feel like you have lost work as a result of integrating those identities? I don't think so because I think my vanilla clients know that I'm good at my job regardless of what I do in my personal life. I'm interested in fetish wear or just I'm interested in fashion just generally speaking interested in fashion but then specifically within that interested in fetish wear um, as a means for creating personas. Mm. I feel like that is so much of why I love fetish wear in the first place just for me personally, like what it means to put on certain things and go out in public, just the way that it can change my behavior, the way I move around a space, my confidence levels, Mm. that feels really integral to my own fetishes. And then also one of my like favorite things about shooting 
people on set is like watching that transformation happen yeah. like having a model come to set and like sweatpants and tennis shoes and then watching her like put on makeup and a full cat suit and like seeing this like dramatic shift in posture and yeah. the way that someone kind of just like moves around on a set that's really fascinating to me um and i like capturing that so yeah that's rad yeah i like the idea of the transformative power of fetish and fashion and like the way that we can use it to access something that we can't access otherwise right i think all clothing does that though it's like personal expression it's about creating an image of how you want the world to perceive you based purely on your physical appearance well, what if my fetish is for not wearing any clothes? <laughs> well, then the world would perceive you in a certain way if you never yeah. wore clothes. <laughs> I mean, they, they, the, yeah, that's how they perceive me. That's pretty much how it's gone down. Yeah, I always, well, I, it's so funny. I really did not know anything. I still don't know anything about fashion, but I like did not know anything about fetish fa- fashion before I became a sex worker. And like, I'd never owned a pair of high heels until I responded to a Craigslist ad for a guy who was starting a f- shoe fetish website. Oh, yikes. Just, was that just like his personal well, I collection? Don't, I don't know for sure. All I know is that he wanted to meet up with me at like a discount shoe <laughs> store on, Mar- on Market Street because I was like, I don't own it. I was like, I'll do this, but I don't own any high heels, which was true. Hmm. Um, it's the only true thing I ever told someone <laughs> in Craigslist. <laughs> uh, and uh, and he was like, oh, that is fine. I'll buy you some. And so uh, uh, and so I yeah I met I met up with him in in public. And then he we like walked around the the store, and I picked out these like cherry red yes. pump, <laughs> pumps uh, and like tried them on and, and he bought them for me and then we like parted ways and then I, I emailed him to be like so when are we going to do this shoot and I never heard from him again so so all he wanted to do was buy the shoes I mean great could, I mean, it, was, it, it was great I mean he also could have just said that hmm. but that's fine maybe that was part of it yeah, I mean, I don't like a, I don't like a false pretense. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. Like, That's it, you fair. Know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like tell me you want to take me fucking shoe shopping. Like, <laughs> yeah. make up a website you're starting. I mean, it's also <laughs> possible that he thought he was gonna start a website and then got lazy. Hmm. But um, maybe uh, he was just so satisfied by the shoe shopping experience that you're he right. didn't need to go forth with the website. You're, to- you know what? Yeah, he was like, I've was done content. it all. Yeah. I've done it. I, yeah, there's nothing right. more for me to do. <laughs> yeah. um, I've reached my, my peak. This 24-year-old scum punk. <laughs> In cherry red In pumps. In cherry red pumps, yes. <laughs> it's totally true but anyway I like I you know so I never I I, I like I was like okay I guess I like leather more than latex but like mostly because I'm a brute and it's more durable um (laughs) and uh uh you know and I did learn to like walk in heels and learn to appreciate the sexiness of of heels and the power of heels for sure but there are just like so many things that I just like could not be fucking bothered I would like people (laughs) would buy me like corsets and mm-hmm. then I would, like, get all, like, laced up in them for a session. And you and don't like that? No, because then I would just be like, eh, I can't do the thing that I'm trying to do. I'm just going to take this off. You've seen, you've seen how it looks, right? Okay, I'm going to take it off. <laughs> I don't love it. 
I mean, to each their own. True. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I once I once worked for, uh, out of the this woman's dungeon on 29th on the west side, and uh, she was always so she was a bit uh, a bit more old school than me, and she like was would always be shocked when I would like come out of session and she'd be like smoking menthols and like <laughs> and uh like ready to like you know collect her her cash uh for the for the rental and she, she once said to me you're the most naked dominatrix i've ever met that's an amazing compliment but i think that she, but i think that she I, there was a moment that i never confronted her about it but i think that there was a moment where she thought that maybe i was like doing full service because she like couldn't because you were always naked? I was, I mean, I was always naked. Yeah. I mean, it's Except comfortable. Except my shoes, you know? <laughs> but like, but yeah, it was just, uh, and I felt, I felt the most, this is, this is the point that I'm getting at. I always felt much more powerful. I still do actually. I'm told, why am I talking in the past tense? Like I feel more powerful naked than in like any, even like the sexiest clothes, hmm. the sexiest shoes that I've ever had, which like explains why I was running around MoMA yesterday <laughs> with my ass hanging out. Like, I just, I feel, yeah, that's like how I feel most powerful. Hmm. That's my persona. I don't know, the, like the fact that other people are uncomfortable being naked and I'm just not running around. Yeah. So I like that. I don't know. That's my fetish, I guess. I guess that's called being an exhibitionist. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about, about, you, about your naked fetish or? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You're the fetish expert. I mean, again, to each their own. Like, if that makes you happy, then yeah. then go forth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will. <laughs> On that note, do you guys have any questions about anything that we've talked about today? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Valentine's Day may be over this year, but it's always the season for love at the Pleasure Chest. There's some great workshops rounding out the end of February at Pleasure Chest stores in New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago. Wednesday, February 26th at the Second Avenue store in Manhattan, check out Cruise Control, the threesomes edition with Leon. Brush up on proper cruising etiquette while rolling solo or looking for a threesome. Plus strategies for building your own ethical open relationships and safer sex tips. If you're in Chicago on Sunday, February 23rd, check out Kinky and Creative Blowjobs with Erica from 4 to 6 p.m. Elevate your blowjob game to the level of artistic expression, wowing your partner and yourself with the undeniable beauty of a cock well sucked. And in L.A., Tuesday, February 25th, check out Conversations for Couples, Passion, Intimacy, Sex, and More with Dr. Jess. That's from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pleasure Chest workshops are always free and designed to be inclusive of all genders, orientations, and relationship styles. Don't forget to follow at Pleasure Chest Stores on Instagram and Twitter for up-to-the-minute info on these workshops and much more from this sex-positive community icon. And now... 
on with the show. So the, the question is, what does Lainey appreciate about photographing leather and photographing latex? Photographing latex is like my favorite, favorite thing to do. It's very shiny. It's so shiny. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's really hard to light. Mm. And so I really like that challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's like such a beautiful material just to look at. I love the way it smells. I love lubing it. How do you capture the smell in your I don't. Photos? That's just for me. <laughs> well, that's nice, though. That's a, a little something just for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think just like personally, I have a latex fetish. And so that just sort of like extends into my art making. Do you think that there's something about the material and like the way that it creates this like veneer, mm-hmm. this like gloss over what the sh- whatever the, the form is of the thing that you're photographing? I mean, I think latex has a way of like perfecting whoever is wearing it. And that's really satisfying, especially when that's paired with like really extreme forms of other fetish wear, really high heels, really mm. tight corsets, then you end up sort of turning the body into this modified version of itself that I think is just really stunning to look at. Yeah. Just like the smallest waist, the highest shoes, the shiniest bodies, <laughs> like just extreme on like all levels. Do you think the 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 word perfect is so interesting because it, like perfection is subjective. Hmm. Do you not do you not agree? Do you think that perfection is empirical? I think I have like such a complicated relationship to the word perfect, I feel like because tell, I'm so more. neurotic <laughs> and obsessive and I'm always trying to just do better and to learn more and with every photo shoot, I'm always trying to like one up myself every single time. And so I'm always striving for like the perfect image or always striving to like make something that like, like satisfies me on a deep level of like knowing that what I made like was quote unquote perfect, but like I will never get there. (laughs) And I know that, but that's also like what motivates me. You're so you're edging yourself. Pretty much. I guess, like, just to, to, like, give a counterpoint, like, what if I feel like, like, something that has, like, a flawed or rough surface as opposed to, like, a smooth and polished surface or something that is, like, sloppy is my version of perfection or, like, something that I am, like, striving for or, like... I mean, I'm not against that. Yeah. Like, I just have my own definitions of like what that looks like in my mind totally yeah yeah cool I guess again (laughs) yeah exactly well what about leather I don't shoot leather as much interesting um I feel like I've sort of pigeonholed myself into being the latex photographer and so most people who come to me for photo shoots end up only bringing latex because they know that I know how to shoot it and they know that I enjoy shooting it um so I don't get to shoot leather as much as I would like to what do you do you have any like dreams of what of how you want to photograph leather not necessarily not that i've thought about at least is there any like shoot that you've done in the past that where you 
were shooting leather that you really enjoyed? I I did a recent shoot with Mistress Roxanne and she's like a big leather fetishist and she brought a ton of leather on set and had a few get ups that were just like head to toe leather and that was really exciting for me to be able to like light that because you light it differently than latex too so getting to like play with the lights in a different way where I wasn't just so focused on making sure that like the shine was hitting in the right place was just like a different type of experience that I liked. That's rad. Yeah. Cool. Any other questions? Just like what is my personal relationship to my transformation when I'm wearing fetish wear? For me personally, fetish wear and putting it on does really amazing things for my confidence levels, especially when I'm in public spaces because like I'm actually like a huge introvert and I get social anxiety really badly (laughs) and I also have imposter syndrome so sometimes it's really hard for me to be in kink spaces especially given that I have this like bizarre internet platform where people recognize me and like strangers come up to me all the time and there's something about putting on a very like well curated outfit Mm. of like my favorite fetish wear pieces that can give me confidence even if maybe I'm not necessarily feeling that internally at the time yeah Um, and it makes me just feel like I'm the best possible version of myself even if I'm like spiraling internally (laughs) right on (laughs) do you feel like it ever like sort of like sinks in like you you create the veneer and then it like and then I feel it yeah I think so yeah right yeah cool I think also there's a part of it like if I'm wearing fetish wear to go to a play party because I'm a bottom in my dynamics but I don't necessarily read as a bottom just in my day-to-day there's something about getting dressed that can help kind of bring me into that headspace especially if I'm wearing something that's like very uncomfortable (laughs) that can kind of like gear me up to be in the headspace to actually like bottom for somebody during a scene cool yeah you're like submitting to fashion So the question is about like sort of riffing on cultural appropriation, but also um, being queer in a cis heteronormative white supremacist. I'm just going to throw that in there. Um, (laughs) Society. Yeah. What what obstacles have we faced? I mean, I try to not hang out in straight spaces anymore for that reason. I try to avoid them at all costs, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) yeah although something that is always on my mind is the fact that often for spaces to be anti-normative a lot of the time they are exclusively female spaces or exclusively Mm -hmm. female and trans spaces and like I love those spaces but like my favorite sexy spaces are also inclusive of queer men I I it's one of my worst qualities is my <laughs> love of men. Um, sometimes there, I do encounter this sort of like complex biphobia when I when I want to create those spaces or participate in in those spaces, and people are like, 
well, all men are gross or like cis men are gross. And, and I'm like, but I like them. I like, (laughs) I like them sometimes to my own chagrin. Um, (laughs) It's a way that like oppression hurts all of us. Right. Because like if, if then we have to like respond to oppression by like creating exclusive or separatist spaces and then then we have a pressure that like we have to have a certain taste or a certain identity in order to be a part of a subculture then that it just ends up being limiting yeah that's like a bummer for me sometimes (laughs) but I you know then I try to to figure out ways around it I mean one corrective that I've seen that I think is is really great is like play spaces where if you are a cis male you have to be like vouched for by someone who's not a cis male or like if you are a cis male you have to you have to like turn an extra look or you have to pay more money or you have to pay a hundred yeah which is like close the wage gap please (laughs) yeah but I'd like to see like more proactive strategies for like actual inclusive spaces yeah we all have something to learn from one another Mm. as well that's what I think (laughs) such a great question I'm glad you brought it up again so this goes back to the the guy with camera Mm. question and like this is ultimately like a like a male gaze versus female gaze versus like queer gaze bottom gaze a question and I think it's complicated it kind of goes back to what I was just saying that you can't just like you can't create a space like like a safe space where like there are no abusers like by having like a strict gender policy you know and like you can't queer female photographers like could be creeps or could be rapists or could violate boundaries or could like make you not feel your best and not take your best pictures or misrepresent them their professionalism or their talent it just so often happens to be the straight white guys um there's got to be something behind that (laughs) i've noticed this pattern i mean it has to do with power it has to do with empathy i think a lot of the the people that I shoot also identify as queer and so there may be a sense of solidarity that happens even if I am shooting a femdom who maybe presents hyper femme or as more heterosexual for their clients but are maybe queer (laughs) in their personal life being able to like relate on that level when the camera is not actually going creates a sense of safety that you maybe necessarily wouldn't get if you were shooting on set with a straight cis male who was also looking at you as the hyper femme heterosexual persona that you're creating for work. And I can kind of like see beyond that because so many of my friends are doms and are sex workers and I understand the the nuance and that like work and personal life sort of dynamic. Yeah, and you have a fucking imagination. That too. <laughs> That's a really great point. I mean, I think that that goes back to my story about Market Street and the cherry red pumps and the Craigslist guy, right? And 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 like the key phrase being false pretense. I have worked, I think, with male photographers or videographers that I admire. I'm racking my brain. I'm sure I have. <laughs> no, I'm sure I have. Um, <laughs> If it's so obvious, and they always think they're being so sneaky, um, <laughs> you know, you like smell a rat. And then sometimes, you, you know, you're in a situation <laughs> where you're like, well, I'm here and I put on the, sh- I took a shower and I'm like, 
I'm gonna take these, you know, so maybe I can get something, you know, especially if you, uh, you know, are used to seeing men as someone that you can, like, get something out of, um, like, resources. And so you're like, well, maybe I'll get some good pictures out of this, and then you have to sort of negotiate with yourself and, and navigate that. So, like, I, yeah, it, like, somebody who has the skill to, like, bring out what the model wants to portray as opposed to just, like, either getting the thing that they think is hot and just assuming that everybody else will also think that that's hot, which is not true. But also, like, are they trying to... Are they, are they like, obviously getting off on being in the room with you and having access to you and thinking that the camera permits them to, like, treat you like a paying client, like they are a paying client, which they're not, and it doesn't. And then, of course, there are tons of horror stories and it's a very real dynamic where then those photographers take advantage of the situation to push the session into more than what was agreed to or worse or beyond that yeah men should stop being sneaky right. everyone should stop being sneaky unless you've like negotiated a sneaky scene and you have a sneak <laughs> fetish <laughs> or a sneaker fetish which is <laughs> different if someone is hiring me to shoot them I'm I'm not going into that with like my own personal desires informing any of it ever. It's, it's pretty basic it's stuff. Purely professional. Like yeah. if someone is paying me for content, then like I can creative direct, I can give creative input, but like those photo shoots tend to be sort of directed by the models and what they're needing for their clients. It's not about like my own personal gain, nor have I ever felt like turned on while I was shooting someone ever never never interesting because I think I'm looking at it from such a technical standpoint that like my my mind doesn't even go there same with the porn that I've shot too when I'm editing it like I don't get turned on by it I'm purely looking at it from like does this clip make sense next to this clip just, <laughs> like is the lighting shapes. okay here yeah like I'm not I'm not looking at it from like my own personal like personal gain. Do you think it's unethical to get turned on by like like when you're shooting or when you're editing? I don't know if it's unethical. I just like I don't think my brain would be able to be technical and be my best artistic self if I was distracted by like being aroused at the same time. Do you think you can tell when you look at a picture if the photographer was aroused maybe if the photo is really bad <laughs> the library is open <laughs> that's fascinating that's fascinating like I if you don't give a shit about lighting and composition but you shot like a sexy photo of someone then like maybe you were only doing it for the sexy photo and you're not doing it for like the artistic integrity of the image you were trying to create do you think it's possible to be really turned on <laughs> and create good art at the same time? Yes. <laughs> Someone I, out there just said yeah. yes. <laughs> I think it is just for me personally, like I, those two things like don't intersect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two different parts of my brain. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Fascinating. <laughs> I think we have time for one more question. Yeah. So the question is, do you have ethical rules about like if you've slept with someone or played with them or are currently involved with them would you shoot them I have never had a sexual relationship with anyone that I've shot 
I've had some type of play dynamic with maybe one person, but I personally like have strong boundaries around crossing those two things because I feel like it could get messy (laughs) and I feel like it would make the professional aspect of the relationship really difficult. So So I try really hard to keep those things very separate. And in the, the few occasions where it's been brought up in conversation, it's usually been guided by the model, making it known to me that they were interested in that. I've never like made my attraction to someone known if I'm shooting them because I would never ever want to make a model uncomfortable if they're coming to me for professional reasons. And then all of a sudden, I'm that photographer who's like, hey, so <laughs> like, I don't ever want to be that person. So I tend to just like keep really strong boundaries around that. If it was someone that I was involved with previously that wanted to hire me for a shoot, we would just need to have very long, detailed conversations <laughs> around boundaries to make sure that like that friendship or that sexual dynamic can stay intact. And we can also create like a professional relationship at the same time. Boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries. <laughs> Try them. You'll like them. <laughs> For somebody who is both a professional and also a perfectionist, what is your relationship to, to sexting? Like in terms of like, like nudes, <laughs> like taking like, <laughs> like, are, like, are you like, like someone's like, hey, well, like, can I see a picture of you right now? It's like, uh, BRB in, in 90 minutes. Oh, it's I, like, like a, the lighting. It's like a full photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't send like, like no pun intended, but like half-assed nudes. <laughs> it would be so, God, that would be, I'm sorry. I'm, I am being a creep right now, but like, it would be so sadistic to be like, just take a sloppy selfie right now and send it (laughs) yeah that would probably like send me into so much anxiety (laughs) well that's what safe words are for as always i want to thank the pleasure chest especially ryan and bahar uh and of course my guest laney where can people find you on the internet um, so you can find me on my personal Instagram that has all my photography on it, which is lover, L-O-V-V-R. And then you can also follow my kind of like curated like art account. I don't even know what you would call that. Um, Just for pleasure, which has all of my like favorite artists listed on it. Do you ever have problems with like being shadow banned or anything by Instagram with that account? No. Interesting. Yeah. I've, for some reason, I've somehow managed to like slip under the radar. Cool. Well, here's hoping great. you yeah. continue <laughs> yeah. slipping. And as always, you can subscribe to Why Are People Into That? Wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me at Tina Horns Ass on Twitter and Instagram. Please support the decriminalization of sex work wherever you can. And do what you can to destigmatize horse, sluts, perverts, and queers. Now, everybody go enjoy your 15% off shopping. There's a lot of fetish stuff upstairs. So if you, <laughs> your appetite is whetted by this conversation, um, the... the folks that the the folks that work at the pleasure chest will be happy to point out all the like you know uh, electrical like scrotum devices and um which we didn't get to today and uh and 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 hoods and uh and like fetish attire and and harnesses and all kinds of things that they have upstairs um in addition to uh lots of other things you may want to shop for and thank you so much for coming and i'll see you next time
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 